I, just, I had to make an entrance. I about left my notes on my, on my chair. Bear with me just a second. I'm always prepared. I think that's like the first time I've done that in like the three years of being a pastor here. Well, thank you for being with us today. My name is Sean Lee. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm on my game. I'm ready to go. Uh, it's so good to be with you here today. If, for those of you watching online, uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Oh, man. So we have a QR code up on the screen. If uh, you are new or even if you aren't new, if you take your phone out and you get your camera, you can see everything is happening here at Press. You can be up to date on what's going on and all that stuff. Sorry, I am like, it's one of those things. It's so funny, like not having my notes there, how much that throws somebody off. All right, QR code. Uh, here's the great thing about uh, press is we are doing a lot of great things, and this Saturday we have a really great opportunity. We are have sponsored a block party with the Delaware Dream Center. As you guys know, we've been partnered with the Delaware Dream Center for almost two years now, I want to say. It's about a year and a half, two years that we've been working with them, and we have sponsored this week's block party. So what they do is they host a party for basically the community. And that's why, if you noticed out in the lobby, we've been collecting supplies that we're going to basically bring on Saturday to help bless uh, these families and these uh, students as they go back to school. And what we want from you guys is we want you guys to sign up and help with that block party. So there's actually a sign up in the lobby, um, and Pastor Jason is going to be out at the connect table right after service. If that's something that you are interested in helping in, please come in, sign up for that. Um, it really, like, it's such a blessing for you guys to be a part of something like that and to see that church isn't just Sunday morning. Like, there's things that are happening throughout the week. Actually, every Monday night, we actually deliver groceries with the Delaware Dream Center. So if you're looking for opportunities to serve and be a part of something outside your regular routine, every Monday night, uh, we go up to Delaware and we help deliver groceries. And so that's a great, it's, it's family friendly. So if you have kids and want to do something with your kids and just show them, hey, here's a way that we can give back out of the blessings that God has given us, um, it's just a great opportunity. So I want to encourage you uh, to do that. And here's the thing, um, we can't do that sort of stuff without support from you. And so I want to encourage you, if you call Press Church Home, even if you don't, if you want to bless us today financially, uh, we have a text to give number that you can use. We have a box by the back exit. Uh, you can also give online through a link through the QR code. Um, we, would, we can't do really what we do without your support, and so I want to encourage you uh, to make sure to support financially uh, what, uh, what we're doing at Press. It's, it's all good stuff. All right. One Another. we got a brand new sermon series starting today called One Another, uh, and this one I'm looking forward to because this is really all about how we treat one another. Uh, which I'm sure everybody's so good. We're all, you know, we all treat each other great. Uh, but really, within the church, more or less, like how are we? How do we treat each other? What is the example that we're we're setting? And so we're going to be over the next month looking through what are some of the commands, what are some of the encouragements that we see from Scripture of how to treat each other, of how to be with one another, um, and what does it look like to live that Christian community um, that God calls us to. So that's what we're going to be getting into this month. Uh, and as you may know, if you're new, every week, uh, the, the teaching team, we get together, we get in the car, and we film basically a car video of the teaching team talking through uh, the sermon for the day. So I'm going to have you draw your attention to the screens, and let's watch this video. 
one another. This seems like it should be obvious. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it just kind of seems. Can like, we say? <laughs> yes. Whenever you say it should be something, should be obvious. Like, Christians should probably uh, be for one another, be uh, love one another. Yeah, it but wait, wait, wait. Uh, there are people who disagree with me, though. So how can I be for them? Right? Like, you know, come on. We we, get, we can't all be one another. There's also different ways of loving other people. You know, uh, my way of, of loving somebody is going to be a lot different than uh, yours or Sean's way. Yes, very different. If, if I, uh, you know, debate with somebody, I'm actually, I'm, I'm taking the time to... <laughs> You're getting my time. The fact that I am talking <laughs> and, to and you. No, to, like, to, I'm taking time and energy. <laughs> I want someone to push back on me. I want somebody to argue <laughs> with me. If, I, if they take their time to actually discuss something with me. That's, CR that's, feels love uh, when, you, right. when you put, like, when you the push. Greatest, when you the greatest it. insult for CR is to go, eh, okay. and whatever, and walk away. Well, if anything... I'm not necessarily off-put by somebody saying whatever, but I'm more off-put by the idea of of just because. Mm, if somebody yes. says, you know, well, just because, or, you know, I'm like, really? That's like, you're you're hanging your entire belief system on just because? Mm, yeah. 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 But that was like the absolute top of the argumentation pyramid in my parents uh, <laughs> when I was a kid oh, yeah. I would push and push and push and they were finally like just because yeah, that's the way it is and that would be crazy because I told you so Yeah, <laughs> tell me why you think the way you do yeah as long as you believe it, I'm cool. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I may not be cool with it if somebody well. believes it, but if if they can convey to me why they believe what they believe, yeah. and they they've You'll at least respect work through it, yeah, that's respectable. That's right. I think uh, yeah, this is a this is an important series because as much as it should be common knowledge or just a given, the church doesn't do a good job of treating itself well yeah. like the people within the church we we attack our own uh, yeah. very often and yeah, we shoot our wounded way too often yeah, yeah right yeah 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 and um the root of a lot of it comes from i think fear uh we we want to be on the right team or sit you know know the right things or have to be around the right people and when you see people who th see things differently than you that might um, cause you to fear and then you attack out of fear yeah um, yeah I do think that there's something in responding to differences you know mm -hmm. that I think that challenges people when it comes to loving one another that involves working past those differences mm. and I think too often in the church we want everyone to be exactly the same right to be you know cookie cutter you know, yeah. non-individuals not necessarily be outside of a particular box, and when they do, that puts people off, and then the loving thing becomes. Yeah. Well, that's where real love happens, though. Yeah, in those edges, and you know, just outside of my box. If we're actually following after Jesus and the pattern that Jesus presented to us, yeah. which is this uh, connecting with people on a deeper level, having a relational connection with them whereby you you interact and you have uh, challenging conversations and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 
it begs for at least the one another aspect of it, mm-hmm. it it begs for us to interact with one another and to care about each other so it's not it's not just the being with or the having a conversation but it's the caring it's the heart of the issue mm-hmm. and that's what we see reflected with Jesus constantly yeah. yeah the church is I mean the church is really it's going to be known and it is known by the way first of all we treat each other yeah, right. That's, I, that, that's, that's kind of yeah. the. <laughs> Jesus said that. <laughs> you know, I'm not. That's not new to me. Uh, uh, t- Jesus said, "They will know you are my followers by the way you love one another." Mm-hmm. And if that's convicting, uh, yeah. If we that's don't just... <laughs> lean into that and just really let that sit, <laughs> you know, and, and simmer in our hearts, then we're, we're we're missing out on a major aspect of of the role of the church in the world today. Yeah. Yeah, I actually want to start there today. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to John chapter 13. We're going to be in John chapter 13 almost uh, the whole uh, sermon today. Uh, but that, that verse we just referenced is in John chapter 13, uh, and it's verses 34 and 35. And I, I, want to, I want to have us read that together. It says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then it goes on to say, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let that sink in for just a second. Like, I don't know if you've heard this verse before. Like, think through that verse. Let that sink in. Those words that we just read. To me, there's, there's two statements in this verse that, that make me think. And the first is the statement of, as I have loved you, so you must love. And this is where we're actually going gonna, gonna to spend most of our time today talking about this point. So I won't talk too much about that. And then the second point that hits me is this one. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And when Jason said that in the car, it's like, ooh, that, that hits. Like, that hits me. Because if you, if you think about it, what, what is the church known for? Especially even within like, if you were to poll the church and say, hey, what, you know, what is the church known for? Like, what do you think some of the results would be? If you ask, like, what, what are Christians known for? And that's, it's convicting to me because, well, one, I love the local church. If I didn't, I wouldn't be standing here or doing the things that I did. But when we, when we, when we look around we have to take note that sometimes the church isn't the greatest at loving one another. You talk about, you know, church hurt. I can't tell you how many stories of people who have been hurt by the church. And look, things happen, you know. We have life ebbs and flows, and you have stuff happen. But this, this th- statement, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples. And I don't think... That is what we're being known for. And the other layer that I think adds depth to these statements that we see here is the fact that um, this chapter in John chapter 13 is is where we see Jesus preparing his disciples. Basically, Jesus knows his time has come. He's going to be going to the cross, and he's preparing his disciples. And so there's something about these late interactions. Like, if you knew, hey, like, this is going to be your last night with your best friend— what are the things you're saying? Like, what does the interaction look like? 
Do you think it's going to be spent talking about things that don't matter? Or do you think it's going to be like, hey, these are, these are the important things. And so this is, you know, Jesus' last moments with the disciples. And, and this is what he's saying. Like, these are some of the statements that they're having. Like, love one another as I have loved you. And it's because of this, it's through this love, it's through these actions that people are going to know that you're my disciples. Like, again, I, I don't know if you feel it, but like when I read this, it's, it's convicting, and it's also like, why isn't this more important to me? If these were some of the last words that Jesus had to his, his disciples, the, the people that were going to be spreading this good news of Jesus to, to others, like these are some of the important things. And so because of this, we're, like I said, we're going to spend most of our time in this chapter today. If you do have your Bibles or have it on your phone, you can turn to John, if we're in John chapter 13, so we'll go to the beginning of the chapter. And this is where we're going to start working through, what does it look like? What is this love that, that Jesus is expressing? And so let's look at this. This is John chapter 13. We're going to start with verses 1 through 5. It says, just before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Again, his time is coming. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. We're going to jump to chapter uh, Verse 12 here. It says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Feet washing. Feet washing. Of all the things, like why feet washing? When's the last time you had somebody wash your feet? a little, little weird, if you've actually had it happen, right? It's like a little awkward. It's not, put it this way, it's not something we do very often, right? It's really easy for us to miss the depth of, of this scene, like the, the, the scenario that's, that's portrayed in these verses. Uh, it's really easy for us to miss. And the first, the first point is just think about the, the state of people's feet, in those days, they didn't have nice paved sidewalks. Uh, you know, it was a little dirty and sandy. Um, you know, think about the type of footwear they were. They weren't wearing some nice Nikes or some nice boots or anything. You know, they had sandals. Um, actually, I, I, we have a picture. Yeah. Anybody want to wash these? Just want to get up, get up in there and. Rub your hands through those toes, right? Get that dirt out of there. Like, and this, that actually looks fairly clean. Like, it's like not too bad. I saw some other ones that were even worse. It was like, so this is, 
this is pretty normal, right? You got people wearing sandals out in the desert, sandy, muddy, like anybody rushing to wash those feet? So that's the first layer of this that we probably miss. Is like feet back then, that's probably, on, on the good end, this is the state of the feet that, that you would be touching. But there's another layer to this that, that we can miss in, in Jesus doing this. And the other, the other layer is how feet washing was viewed. Like, if we did it today, you'd probably just be weird, right? Like, if you're like, hey, I want to wash your feet. Most people, they'd be just like, okay, that's a little weird. Like, you're kind of getting in my personal space. You don't know what my feet look like. Like, it's just a little weird. But in those days, it was different. Feet washing was an extremely lowly task. Like, extremely. I, I, I heard some Jewish sources say that even Jewish slaves were exempt from doing it and that they would only let Gentiles do it. So you've heard about how Jewish people and Gentiles, like, they hated each other. Basically, it was like, we don't even let our slaves wash feet. We'll let the Gentiles do it. Like, we're talking about, like, this is a very demeaning uh, and degrading task. You would never see someone of a higher authority, put it this way, a higher authority doing that for somebody else, let alone even somebody in the same, you know, like, status ballpark. So we have, like, really gross feet, like, nasty feet, and also, like, a really degrading and lowly task. Think about this for a second. Let's say, think of the most, the person you respect the most in this life, and them coming and, like, cleaning your toilets. How would you feel? Wouldn't you feel awkward? Like, no, no, don't go in there. No, don't do that. Please, please don't. Like, what's, what's like the, the nastiest thing that you can think of that you do? And then think of the person you respect the most. You know, like president, if you like the president. What, think of your favorite, favorite president. That way, everybody in the room is good. If you like this one, if you don't like it, you just think of one you like, okay? How about that? Think of a president you like coming to your house and, and like picking up dog poop. Like, wouldn't you just feel, like, you would feel weird. Like, no, stop, please, stop, don't do that. Like, this is, this is getting close. It's not even there, but it's, it's, it's closer to how this would have been. And this is not, this is not a small thing. This is not small. And so I don't want us to miss the weight of this. Like, okay, he washed their feet. No. What Jesus did here was beyond, like beyond. And it's, it's not like, you know, our current culture is the only culture that's ever vied for status and power and, you know. Jesus was going against cultural norms, social norms, to show his disciples something. He was trying to prove something to them. And he was, it was not only taking that stance. He wasn't even just talking about it. He was doing something. And that's, and that's really my first point today that I want to say is, is this. The significance was more in the role he took than the action he made. Washing feet was 
was a big deal, but it was in the role that he took by doing that that was important. There's some theologians who are actually somewhat divided on this, whether feet washing is a specific expression or a symbolic expression. So what I mean by that is, is feet washing a mandatory element of the Christian community or is it representative of something bigger? And to me, I think it's clear. I think what he did was as powerful as what it was because of how it was viewed. If foot washing wouldn't have been so negative and lowly, okay, he washed some feet. That's nice. But because he took the role of somebody lower, that action speaks volumes. It's not just wash feet. There's actually, throughout the centuries of church, there's actually churches who did that. That was a common practice. They would, they would do feet washing commonly because they thought within that. And I think it's great. If you've ever actually done a foot, like feet washing, there is something special about it because you do, you do lower yourself. And it's like all of a sudden everyone's on the same playing field. Everybody's got dirty feet. And we're all cleaning them. And we're all on the same level. And no one's greater than the other. But I think the importance is, again, it's in the role. It's in the, I am subjecting myself to be lower. And, and Jesus, at the end of it, he was being a servant. He wasn't saying just wash feet. He was saying be a servant. You will be known by your love for each other. What does that love look like? What does the love of being a servant look like? And I think we have to ask ourselves this. What role are we taking? What role do you take in your relationships? Are you taking the dominant role of always having to be right or having to be listened to? Maybe you're taking the role of just being stepped over all the time. What role do you take? And I think when you know your role, you know what to do. I, I played sports in high school. If, if anybody's familiar, I played soccer in high school. So I was a forward. And when you play forward, you're an offensive player. You don't even think about the defense. It's great. You're just on the offense. You score the goals. You, well, my junior year, I got, I got switched to midfield. If you know anything about midfield, midfield supports both defense and offense. If I tried to act like a forward when I was playing midfield, my coach was not going to be very happy because I was missing the role that I was supposed to be playing and not only supporting the offense and being there to get the cool goals and passes and everything else, I had to run and get my butt back to the other side to help on defense. Think about football. What happens if the the linebacker tries to act like a safety. I don't know. I don't know football very well. But I'm sure that if you're a linebacker, you're trying to play safety, something's wrong. Do you like that? Your role helps you know what you're supposed to do. When we know our role, we know how to act. What role are we taking? How are we approaching our relationships? And I think Matthew chapter 20 does a great job of reinforcing what we see here in John chapter 13. This is Matthew 20, verses 25 through 28. It says this, that Jesus called them together and said, 
You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. He's restructuring the way that we view not only ourselves, but others. He's saying, yeah, it's common for, for them to lord their power over you and to do these things, but not so with you. You're supposed to be different. And I'm showing you that I'm going to back it up myself, too. I didn't come to be served, but to serve. Here at Press, part of our vision statement is we talk about helping people embrace their identity in Christ. And, and that's, that's a huge, it's a huge statement. But at the core of it, when we embrace our identity in Christ, we have to look at Christ's example. We have to look at his death and his resurrection, the fact that he came and he gave everything. He was the ultimate servant. He, it, he was so much so that it, it frustrated the Jewish people because they, they wanted this big, militant, powerful person to come in and bring the Jewish people to power and to, to bring them to where they want to be. And instead he came and he served and he gave his life. This is the ultimate expression of love. And really, that's the foundation of, of this week and this series is that it starts with love. It's identity in Christ is saying he gave and he served and he sacrificed. And my identity is firm because of that, but now I'm actually called to, to do the same. I think at the end of the day, if we have encountered, if we have experienced the goodness of God, we are propelled to give the same. And I think that, that is the convicting thing for the church today. Because if we're not known for being servants, if we're not known for loving, then what are we being known for? And if, and if we don't know those things, have we truly embraced, have we truly, like, taken in what Christ has done for us? Has it changed us? Being a servant, doing nice things, it's, it's not a way to get something back. I think that's the problem. A lot of times we're like, okay, how can I be nice so that I can get what I really want? I bring Bethany home flowers and some chocolates. She's like, what do you need? I'm just trying to be nice. I don't need anything. And that's the thing that's crazy about what Jesus did is, is he went to the cross and he did what he did knowing we could never repay. Us being servants isn't a matter of isn't, isn't a way to get an IOU. It's not a way to, to actually get a one step up on Sunday. It's basically just saying, 
I'm going to love you the way that I saw Christ love his disciples. Now this, I want to make sure to say, this is not a, a push to be a victim. It's not a push to be trampled over. I think, I think people can take this role of like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just being loving. I'm being a servant. I'm a, no, being a servant is out of love. It's not loving to be abused. It's not loving to be a punching bag. It's not, that's not loving. It's not, it's not about being passive. It's saying that my mindset is I am not greater than those around me. And I'm willing to live my life in a way that reflects that. The foundation of our actions towards one another is rooted in love and expressed as a servant. And I think the question that we have to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus is not only will we recognize the depth of his love, will we recognize the depth of what he has done for us, but will we do it as well? Will we be able to live that as well? And I can't help but ask the question, like, what would happen if the church lived that way? What would happen if, if you lived your life like that? How would the church be viewed? How would people see Christians? And I'm just talking about within ourselves right now. How do you treat the person sitting next to you? The faces are funny. That's the one good thing about being up here. I get to see all your expressions, for better, for worse. I see when you're sleeping or when you're smiling, so. If we actually lived like this, what would happen? And I realize this is vulnerable, and we're going to get to some of that later in this series. It's not easy. It's hard. And sometimes it, it feels... I think it feels hard because it's like there's not a roadmap. We have expressions in, in the Bible, but it's like you're not, you're not going to go to the gym tomorrow and start washing people's feet. Maybe. Hey, if the Holy Spirit calls you to do that, obey. But that's actually a good point. I didn't even write this in there. This requires, seriously, listen to this. Living out a life as a servant requires listening to the Holy Spirit. It requires, it requires him leading you. Because if not, again, we tend to do nice things to get something, or we just get trampled over. Or say, I'm, we, we play that some sort of victim that, oh, I just have to do that because I'm supposed to be nice. We must listen to the Holy Spirit. We must look for opportunities where we can show people that we truly care. And if you don't care, at least be honest about it. That's a good starting point. God, I don't care about people. Maybe that's where you're at. <laughs> Maybe you're at a point like, you know, I don't like people very much. I don't want to be nice. I don't want to do something for my neighbor. Okay, we're starting somewhere. Start there. Give it to God. How do you, not, not judging somebody else, how do you in your life right now live out this? The role of being a servant. That's the question that you need to wrestle with this week because I can't answer it for everybody. 
you need to wrestle with what does that look like in your life right now, in the job that you're at, in the school that you're at, in the stage of life that you're at, what does it look like to, to take the role of a servant? Team, you can start coming up. And I think if we all take that seriously and stop worrying about how the other person does it or how I'm supposed to do it and actually include God in our lives, in our daily lives, tomorrow morning when you get up and you're frustrated, whatever it looks like for you to include God in your week and say, how am I taking on this role? Because I want to represent my faith. I want to represent my community in a way that actually lets people know what we're about. Not what I'm against, what I'm for, and who God is. And I think today is a great opportunity for us to start living that out. If you didn't get the elements, we're going to take communion together. Um, we have somebody that can, can grab elements if you didn't grab them. We were supposed to do communion next week, but I was thinking through the message today, and I think what better day than today to, to do communion together because it's just, it's just perfect. You have Jesus preparing his disciples, setting these foundations of what love looks like. And then we see his death, his resurrection on the cross. This, this time that we take in taking communion, we, we, we remember, we remind ourselves what, what it means. We're thankful. But we also celebrate. When we take communion, we celebrate what happened. And this, this right here, yes, they're, they're just elements, but they, they remind us of the role that Jesus took, the ultimate servant, the ultimate dedication, the ultimate love saying, I know you can't do enough, I know you can't give enough, but I'm going to give something of myself that we can have perfect relationship. And it's because of his sacrifice. And so today, as a, as a body of believers, as a community of faith, we're going to take these elements together. If you guys want to Take out the, the cracker together. I think it's so important for us to, to remember when we do things like this, to let it sink in. To truly embrace what this means for us. So the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he got together with his disciples and he broke bread. And he said, this is my body which has been broken for you. And so today, we as believers, we take this and we remember and we celebrate what it means for us. Let's take the bread together. That same night, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood which has been shed for you. 
And although they didn't realize it yet and they didn't understand just how important and, and vital of what they were doing, we can look back and we can know and have confidence in what Jesus did. And we can be thankful, again, that he was the ultimate servant. And we can celebrate and be thankful for what this means for us. Let's drink together and be thankful. God, we are always thankful for your role in our lives, for, for what you're doing. And God, I, I, I pray that as, as a body of believers, as, as, as a group of people who, who love you, I pray that our lives would better reflect the love that we see from, from you, the love that you've given us, God. And I pray that we each would take on that challenge of of allowing our lives to be an example to those around us. And God, may it start in the church. May, may we as a church be able to set an example of being servants for one another. Not that we'd be on a hierarchy, one better than another, God, but we each would, would recognize, God, that we are equal in your sight, that we all need you. And out of our recognition of what you've done for us, God, may we then live a life of love that is expressed in being a servant, God. Give us the strength and the wisdom, God. May your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us in our lives. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand and join us as we continue in a time of worship together.